Hey there. Thanks for joining us at Risen King Church for our weekly podcast. We hope you experience God today. Make sure you visit us at risenking.life to take all your next steps and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Enjoy the message. How many of y'all were blessed by the worship we just had right now? Yes. So good. Um, this morning, I want to share a message that's uh, actually God has been stirring this in my heart even before uh, Pastor Mike even asked me to preach this morning to you. Um, it's, it's such a basic message, but in, in the time we live in, I feel like, God, it's so needed. Um, I want to talk about the love of God, the love of God. Um, if you're like me, I, you know, I, I have a routine, uh, rigid, not rigid, but I mean, I, in my mind, like, you know, it's, you wake up, you do this, this, this. And so for me, I wake up, I get my phone, and I check the news, check social media, and then I check the weather in that exact order. And uh, I don't know, man, like, I scratch, I've been scratching my head a lot these days when I'm looking at, when I read about the current state of politics. Anyone else like that? Um, like, my, my heart's been really, really hurting to read about all the social injustices. Forget the world, just here in our home soil. So much. And all of the senseless, stupid deaths going on in America. A lot of mornings after, like, honestly, I'm like, why the heck did I even read the news this morning? Like, <laughs> I'm like, that's making me depressed. Um, and, and so, friends, I am more and more convinced than ever before that the answer for healing in this nation, the answer for healing, hear, hear me, okay, is not Trump. It is not Pelosi, nor the 8 million Democratic presidential candidates right now. You know what I mean? All right? Friends, the hope for change, the hope for healing is the love of God. Amen? We need, we so desperately need the love of God here. I'm convinced more than ever. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to go back to the basics today. Can we do that? Before we do, let me just pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you love us. Thank you, God, that your love for us is so great. There's no distance we can run away where you can't bring us back. There's nothing bad that we can do that you cannot forgive. You love us. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come, and God, I pray that you would invade our soul right now. I pray your word will penetrate deep in our hearts tonight, today. Thank you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Everyone says, amen, amen. 
I want to start this morning's message by showing you a short movie clip. Because who doesn't like movie clips, right? I lo- Anyone else like movies besides me? I am a freaking, I love movies, man. I really love movies. Before I got married, I watched movies all the time. After I got married, I still watch a lot of movies. After babies, forget about it. <laughs> right? I don't even, what, Avengers came out? Yeah, okay, anyways. Um, so the clip I want to show you is from the movie that came out 15 years ago. I can't believe it came out 15 years ago, called Saved. I don't know if you guys remember this movie. Uh, Mandy Moore was in it, and uh, it's a satire. It's a satire about life in a Christian school. And so there are two main characters. You have two ladies. You got Hillary and you got Mary. They're really good friends, and they are part of this elite, elite Christian group called, I kid you not, the Christian Jewels. Yes, because they are precious in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. Yes. All right. <laughs> if you watch the movie, they, they literally wear matching velour tracksuits and these big white angel wings because they're so holy, right? So what happens in the movie is this. Through a series of unfortunate events, Mary's life turns upside down. And she has a crisis of faith. She starts doubting her faith, questioning her faith. And she leaves the Christian jewels. And so the clip we're about to see is her, her, her fellow Christian jewels are trying to stage an intervention. They're trying to bring the prodigal back home. All right? So let's check it out. I need someone who's spiritually armed to help guide her back to her faith. The love and care that only Jesus can supply. You down with that? Yeah, I'm down with that. She's pretty vulnerable right now, so I'm going to need you to be extra gentle. Hey, hey, I'm going, I'm going. intervention here kidnapping no you are backsliding into the flames of hell you've become a magnet for sin we've all witnessed it sure veronica acting all pure what about last spring break at the promise makers rally huh oh my god you are making accusations as we're trying to save your soul mary turn away from satan jesus he loves you you don't know first thing about love i am filled with christ's love god you are just jealous of my success in the Lord. This is not a weapon, you idiot. Disclaimer, we do not condone that ministry methodology. Here, Risen King. <laughs> yeah, thank God. If by any freak chance you see that, please let us know. We do not support that. Um, Can I give you some pastoral advice, guys? If you ever scream with an angry tone, I am filled with the love of Christ, you're probably not filled with the love of Christ, okay? Right? Can I keep it real right now? If you ever hurl a Bible like it is a spear at someone, so (laughs) let's, you're joking. I know you. You're joking. Okay, good. Uh, If I didn't know you, I'd be like, let's talk after service. Um, You're probably not filled with the love of Christ. 
Now, if you do both, you probably need professional counseling, okay? So we have a lot of great professional counselors here at Risen King. I will more than gladly give you their information. Now, uh, the reason why I share that clip with all y'all is because I believe that every single one of us here in this room can really relate to Mandy Moore's character, Hillary. I believe all of us can relate, can empathize really with the internal battle that she had in that clip right there. Now, I'm, um, I believe that all of you have a desire in your heart to do good. I really do. I truly believe that all of you have a desire in your heart to help people, to be a good citizen, to be productive, to be a loving person. I truly believe that. Now, uh, I'm pretty sure this morning when you woke up, right, you, you get out of your bed or, or, I don't know, you feel like me, you kind of roll out of bed. And, uh, you know, you stretch. And in that, in that moment of peace and quiet, you say to yourself, or I don't think you say to yourself, you know, today, I'm going to be a jerk. <laughs> yes. Today, when I go to Risen King, I'm going to be a Debbie Downer. I'm going to suck all the joy out of the exuberant worship that Gabe and the worship team leads us in, right? Woo, that's me. I'm going to be that person. I don't think y'all do that. I hope not. I truly believe that everyone here, we have good desires. We have good intentions. We even make good plans. But sometimes, can we be honest with ourselves? Or oftentimes, Good intentions, good plans don't always work out the way we'd hoped, like that clip. I desire to be a kind, loving, joyful, understanding, you know, compassionate person. And honestly, guys, like in my mind, like when I'm helping someone, when I'm serving you guys on Sunday mornings, like in my mind, I think I look like this. You know, like I have a really warm smile, right? It's so welcoming. It's so inviting. When I say hi to you, you're like, I felt the love of Jesus in that high. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's what I do. Or I think I'm really excited, like, yeah, you know, like I can't wait to worship today. I think that's what I look like and feel like. But sometimes, sometimes, what I really look like or honestly what I really feel like in the inside, it may be more like this. Like... Don't talk to me. <laughs> you know, like, I woke up at 5.30 today so I can make coffee at 7 a.m. for you. So I want to just go to sleep. Leave me alone. All right? Now, guys, um, if you're like me, sometimes I get frustrated. Or actually, often I get frustrated. Because I want to do good. But I find myself being quite harsh with my words. I find myself, yeah, ask my wife. Um, yeah, she'll tell you. Some, sometimes I'm harsh on my deeds. Ask my daughter. Sometimes I'm quick to judge and criticize you. Sometimes I find myself more grumpy than joyful, more short-tempered than patient. And, I, and if you're like me, I believe that tension between wanting to do good and really missing the mark is due to a deficit that I think all of us here experience, and what I'm talking about is a love deficit, a love deficit. So today, here's my main point, all right? 
We're going back to the basics. It's about God's love. That's it. It's about God's love. If you and I, I truly believe this, and I think scripture will show us later, I'll show you. If you want to be loving people, if you want to be kind and joyful and understanding people, you want to be a loving and forgiving son, daughter, boyfriend, girlfriend, friend, husband, wife, mother, father, coworker, or citizen, we need the love of God in our lives. Amen? We need the love of, I don't see any other way, to be quite honest with you. We need the love of God. Because, friends, I truly believe and I think Scripture will show us today, without the love of God in our heart, we just can't live the life that God desires for us. And how many of you know, in America, we need more love of God, yeah? We so desperately need more love of God. So can you look at the person next to you and say, it's about God's love. Look at the person on the other side and say, it's about God's love. So two things I want to talk about. One, what exactly is love? And two, what do I do with this love? So first one, what's love? What is love, love, baby? Anyways, I am. <laughs> I had to do it. Baby, don't hurt me. Anyways. I was so tempted to, to show a video clip of that music video, but I was like, I forget it. Gabe would have been like, bro, chill. Uh, 1 John 4, 7, 8, and 16, it says this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because, what does it say, folks? Oh, come on. It's verse 16. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. What does it say? And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Can we say one more time? God is love. God is love. Friends, if we're going to talk about love, we have to talk about God first. Because in him is the origin of love. He is the source of love. God doesn't, hear me, he doesn't have love. He is love. He doesn't have a finite capacity of love like you and I do. In him is an ever-flowing river of love. In the New Testament, when it was written, uh, the ancient Greek world understood love really in three main ways. There is eros, phileo, and agape. Eros is the sexual, erotic love. Phileo, you probably like Philadelphia, right? It's affectionate, like friendly affection for one another. And then you got agape. Agape is the Greek word used most often in the New Testament text to describe the love of of God. So what is God's love? What is agape love? I guarantee you all of you have heard this before. If you've ever gone to a wedding in your life, you've probably heard this verse. Agape love is patient. Agape love is kind. Agape love does not envy or boast, not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way, not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Agape love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That is the love, that is the agape love of God. One Bible commentary describes um, agape love this way. In a sinful and suffering world, a.k.a. America, God's love, 
divine love, agape love, will show itself supremely in compassion and healing for the distressed and in redemptive concern for the alienated and the self-despairing. Do we need that love in America, folks? Come on, man. God, please, we need more of it. Agape means to love the undeserving despite my own disappointment and rejection. It goes on and says this. Agape love deals frankly with human weakness and wickedness. It's not some flimsy thing, folks. Jesus prays for Peter, but not that he shall be spared temptation. That's love. He rebukes disciples. That's love. He warns Jerusalem and Judas, makes Peter painfully retract his denials. That's love. Accepting that maybe love meant laying down his life. That's love. Christ's agape love is not timid meekness, not sentimental, floofy, floofy, like cloud in the sky, mildness, whatever. It's not inoffensive or ineffectual. It's not helpless in the face of the world's evil. Thank God. It is the strong determination to seek others' highest good in all circumstances at any cost. I'll say the last one again because that's so good. Agape love is the strong determination to seek others' highest good in all circumstances at any cost. And friends, this agape love, what better example? What, what better example than in what God did on earth thousands of years ago by sending Jesus on a mission? God so loved, so agape loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but I have what? Romans 5.8. But God shows his agape love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Guys, why would God send Jesus to die a death he didn't deserve for a people who did not deserve it? Can I ask you a question? What did you do to deserve that? Honestly. You know what we did? We put him there. Here's the answer. Answer is this. For God so loved the world. Notice it doesn't say God so pitied the world. And then say God felt so obligated to save the world. No, God so loved the world. Now, give me one minute. I want to focus on those two words, so loved. Have you ever read the Bible sometimes and like some words just kind of like pop out at you? Anyone? Right? So uh, there's a fancy word for that. We call it illumination. The Holy Spirit illuminates the word of God to you. So I'm reading the Bible and I'm reading John 3.16 and I'm like, whoa, what's with so loved? That's interesting. Like, John qualifies the love. It's not just love. He so loved. Do you know how many times in the Bible it mentions God so loved something? Twice. Only twice in the entire scripture. Twice. And you know what he so loved? John 3, 16, it says God so loved the world. 1 John 4 says, God so loved us. That's it. That's right. Thank you, Lord. And notice again, there isn't a qualifier on who receives the love. 
It doesn't say God so loved the morally upright. Thank God. It doesn't say God so loved the obedient. God so loved the faithful spouse. It doesn't say God so loved the generous giver. It doesn't say God so loved the Sunday school teachers. Although press, although press pause, if you're a Sunday school teacher, God bless you. I think there is a special place in heaven for you because you know why? I volunteer for the first time at kids' church camp. And let me tell you, after two nights, I'm like, I'm so glad I am not a Sunday school teacher. Okay? I'm just being honest, all right? I'm just being honest, okay? I'd rather do this all day than be with the lovely kids downstairs. But anyways, um, I'm just being honest, all right? I'm just being real, okay? Come on. I, I can't lie, all right? The Bible doesn't say... God so loved the one who gave up his vacation so he can go on the missions trip. It doesn't say God so loved the one who fasts and prays all day. It doesn't say God so loved those who, who, don't, read the, who don't read the newspaper or watch the news or go on social media because they're too busy reading the Bible all day. It doesn't say that. God so loved us. Period. God so loves the good you. God so loves the charming you. God, even, even, the, even the Patriots fans, right? Like God so loves you, right? Why? That is the grace of God. Anyway, so God, God so loves the, that part of you. God loves the annoying you. God loves the bad you. God loves the really bad you that you can't even talk about in public, you. God loves all of you. Amen. So loves. Who does God so love? You. You. So loves you. Put your hand on your chest with me, people. And just say with me, God so loves me. Say it again like you mean it. God so loves me. I want you to look at the person next to you. Do not touch their chest because that's awkward. And just say, God so loves you. In the last service, I saw a guy doing it. I said, like, yo, what? And, but it was Isaiah and his, and his wife. So I was like, all right, it's okay. That's okay. That's all right. That's all right. That's acceptable. That's acceptable. Because, you know, they're, they're married now, right? Okay. <laughs> Friends, because God so loves us, me, you, I can now receive forgiveness of all of my sins through Jesus. Amen. Because God so loves us, I can have access to the Father like never before. Amen. Because God so loves us, if I die, if all of us die today, I know exactly where I'm going. I have the blessed confidence in where I'm going because God so loves us. Amen. And not just that, not only is my eternal destiny secured, but my present circumstances, I can have confidence as well. Because God so loves me, he lovingly gave me the word of God in it. I can find instruction in it. I can find, what you say? The sword. That's my weapon in spiritual battle. Right? God so loved me that he gave me the same spirit that was in Jesus is the same spirit that's in me. It empowers me to live a love-filled, joy-filled, power-filled, victorious life. Amen. And because God so loved me, he knew that I really can't do it by myself, so he gave me you guys. I need my family faith. Amen? And you need me. 
that good news? <laughs> Paul's like, I don't know. <laughs> we all have this, friends, because God so loves us. And here's the question I want to ask you right now. Do you really believe that? Hear me. The degree in which you believe that he so loves you and the degree in which you receive that and the degree in which you own that and the degree in which you're going to live life from that will directly impact how you love others. There's like, scripture makes it so clear. The degree in which you own this, internalize it, and live with it will directly impact how you love others. There's like no other way around it. Which leads me to my next point. What do I do with the love of God? Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers to ever live, he once said this. Christ loved you before you loved him. He loved you when there was nothing good in you. Thank God. He loved you though you insulted him, though you despised him and rebelled against him. He has loved you right on and never ceased to love you. He has loved you in your backslidings and he loved you out of them. He has loved you in your sins, in your wickedness and folly. His loving heart was still eternally the same and he shed his heart's blood to prove his love for you. He has given you what you want on earth and provided for you a habitation in heaven. Can you say amen to that? And here's a part I want you to get. Now, Christian, your religion claims that you, from you, that you should love as your master loved. Therefore, how can you imitate him unless you love too? Followers of Jesus, how can you imitate God? How can you imitate your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, unless you love too? I think Spurgeon just absolutely nails what we're talking about here today. You cannot receive agape love. You cannot receive God's love for you and do nothing. Because, friends, God's love calls for a response. Friends, God's love demands action. God's agape love calls for action. Amen? Because we are recipients of agape love from God through Jesus, we have to respond. When Jesus was asked, by one of the religious rulers, what's the greatest commandment? His answer reflects that truth. And this is what he said. If you are, have been loved by God, this is our call, friends. You shall agape love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second is like it. You shall agape love your neighbor as yourself. Apostle John reiterates Jesus' words in 1 John 4, he says, Beloved, if God so loved us, what's the response? We ought to love one another. Friends, as blessed recipients of God's agape love, we are called. It is demanded of us to love 
others with God's love. Amen? You are called to love others. This is our divine mission. That's it. Love God, love people. Can we say it? Love God, love people. Look at the person next to you and say, love God, love people. That's it. Guys, this is like, this is like the most basic game plan. I mean, this is what we learned in Sunday school, right, when we were little kids. Love God, love people. Right, kids? Yes. Right? I mean, like, this is it. This is like, it's the most simple game plan, but this is the game plan that has stood the test of time. Because the early church so seriously took this command from Jesus, this love God, love people movement that Jesus started, it started to spread. From the Middle East, it spread locally. Remember, they didn't have social media back then, so news kind of spread slowly. So it spread regionally, and then this love God, love people movement spread to the neighboring countries, and then it spread to continents nearby, and then it jumped seas, it jumped oceans, and now it has reached every single part, or almost every single part of the world. Friends, this love God, love people movement has outlasted empires. It has outlasted monarchies, wars, plagues, natural disasters. It has outlasted political upheaval and economic upheaval. Friends, this love God, love people movement has touched billions upon billions of lives. Amen? And I truly believe it is the love God, love people movement that's going to bring breakthrough and bring healing right here in America. We need the love of God. We desperately need the love of God. It's about God's love. To be loved by him. So we can love him. So we can love others. Amen? And Apostle Paul, he really understood this. Because in 1 Corinthians 13, if you, a lot of people, you know, you read that, that wedding passage, love is patient, love is kind, it's, it's really nice and all. But people tend to forget, like r- literally right above that passage, Paul gives us a warning. That if you don't live without love, this is going to happen. This is what he says. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love. What does it say, guys? I'm nothing. If I give away all I have and if I even deliver my body to be burned but have not love, what's it say? Nothing. And I like the message translation. It says this, I am bankrupt without love. Wow. Can you make it any more clear, Paul? Hear me. Spiritual gifts, these are good things. Amen? Like, Bible tells us to seek after them, to grow in them. That's good. To practice them, those are good things. To grow in your knowledge and understanding of the things of God, these are good things. To be selfless and to give others, to help others, to lift them up, Good things. But Paul makes it super clear 
It's not the main thing. Without love, we miss the mark. I can preach all I want. If I don't have love underneath it, I've, it's a waste, apparently. Without love, I'm nothing. Without love, I gain nothing. I am bankrupt without love. And as if Paul, as if once wasn't enough, he actually mentions it again. Colossians 3. He says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, um, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And here, check this out. Above all else, above all of these, put on what? Which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Again, God's love, agape love, it's the linchpin. It keeps compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, understanding, forgiveness together. Without it, when you take the linchpin out, what happens? It all falls apart. Without love, I fall apart. Without love, I'm nothing. Without love, I'm bankrupt. Can I ask you a question, folks? Do you want to be a compassionate person? Like, do you want to be a kind and humble and patient and understanding and forgiving person? Like, is there a desire in you for that? Like, do you want to be faithful and effective and productive with the gifts and abilities that God has blessed you with? If your answer is yes, we have to abide in God's love first. Period. We have to be filled with his love. We have to be renewed with his love. Only then, the Bible makes it so clear, only then we can love others. Do you want that? I'll close with this. In, uh, <clears throat> in 2010, I had the privilege to uh, go to South Africa, Cape Town, to attend this um, conference called the Lausanne Congress. Now, for those who don't know <clears throat> what it is, it was a, um, this thing was a historic event. And when I say historic, like, you know, there are some times that go, oh, this was like out of the world. You know, we kind of like overblow things. But this really was historic. 4,000 Christian leaders from 198 countries gathered together under one roof. Christianity Today said, this was the most representative gathering of Christian leaders in the history of a church. It was historic. And for whatever reason, the Lord allowed me to be part of it. And I was like, amazing. Thank you, Jesus. And so, I mean, we're talking about like world leaders, Christian leaders were all gathered there, like renowned Christian scholars and, le and preachers and teachers and pastors, missionaries. So, like, for me, I, dude, I was, like, totally fanboying. I was like, oh, my God, I read your book. Like, this is amazing, <laughs> you know? Like, these, like, these heavy hitters are passing by. I was like, oh, my God, I know you. Or I saw you on YouTube. This is amazing. So of all the great speakers that we heard that week, I mean, seriously, like, amazing, amazing presentations. The most memorable, hands down, the most impactful was not someone who had a doctorate degree, 
was not someone who was a leading thinker in their industry. It was a teenager, 17 years old, from North Korea. That's her. And she shared her story. She was born into a wealthy family, a very prominent family in North Korea. Her father, check this, man, was a personal assistant to the late King Jong-il. If you know who that is, he was the father of the current dictator in North Korea, King Jong-un. When she was six years old, her family was politically persecuted by the North Korean government. And so her dad, obviously the writing was on the wall, what was going to happen to them. And so he packed up the family and they fled to China. By God's grace, they met a pastor and they came to faith in Jesus, which was great. But unfortunately, shortly afterwards, her mom, who was just pregnant, who just got pregnant with her second kid, died of leukemia. And shortly after that, still holding on to their faith in Jesus, her dad was convicted, moved by God, the love of God, to start a Bible study in China with foreign missionaries. So he did. And I don't know if you know, but the Chinese government didn't really take too uh, favorably to Christianity. So he got caught, and he was deported back to North Korea. And he was imprisoned for three years. And according to her testimony, she said that her father's faith did not dwindle when she was in prison, but it grew stronger. After three years in prison, he was released, and he was reunited with his daughter in China. And instead of enjoying his freedom, her father started gathering as many Bibles as he could because God put a burden on his heart to go back to North Korea. So what I want to do is this. I want to close with this. I want to share a, an excerpt from this amazing teenager's testimony. These are her words. He, that's her dad, he chose not to go to South Korea where he could have enjoyed religious freedom. Instead, he chose to return to North Gosh. It's the music, bro. It's the music. Every time. <laughs> it's the music, bro. And he's stretching his hand out at me. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> Instead, my dad chose to return to North Korea to share the love of God in a dangerous land. It breaks my heart to tell you that in 2006, that was four years prior to that event, his work was discovered by the North Korean government and he was imprisoned again. I have heard no word from my father or nor about him ever since. This video is available on YouTube, by the way. You can look it up if you want. And this is when her voice starts to crack. She says, in all probability, my father has been shot to death in public on charges of treason and espionage, as is so often the case for persecuted Christians in North Korea. And she says, now God has placed deep in my heart a great 
love for North Korea. Just as my father was used there for God's kingdom, I now desire to be obedient to God. Come on. I, I want to bring the love of Jesus Come on. to North Korea. Come on, who does that? I'm working hard to get into university to study political science and diplomacy. Then I want to work for the rights of the people of North Korea whose rights have been taken away. I believe God's heart cries out for the lost people of North Korea. I humbly ask you, my brothers and sisters here in this place, to have the same heart of God. She ends with this. Please pray that the same light of God's grace and mercy that reached my father and my mother and now me will one day come down on the people of North Korea. My people. Well, thank you. After she did that, she bowed. She turned around and she walked off the stage. You had to have been there, guys. The entire auditorium, like 4,000 plus leaders from all over the world stood up and they gave her a standing ovation for two minutes. No other leader, no other speaker in the entire conference got that kind of ovation. Not even close. But she did. There was not a, oh man, I, I'm telling you. The presence of God was so thick. The love of God was so thick. I mean, there was not a single dry eye in that great hall. Because that's what the love of God does. Guys, what, what motivates a man to want to go back to the very people who persecuted him? What motivates a man to go completely against his primal instinct for self-preservation? What motivates a 17... 17 years old? What motivates her to say, I want to I wanna minister to North Korean people? What motivates her to want to be a blessing to the people who not only persecuted her family, but probably killed her dad? Like, who does that? What motivated them? And I, I only know one answer, people. The love of God. Because agape love demands a response. The love of God demands a response. For God so loves the North Korean people. <laughs> he sent this guy with Bibles to teach them about the love of Jesus. God so loves the North Korean people, there must be a response. So he put a love in a 17-year-old girl. She's going to study. So she's going to help them. Church, the mission has not changed. Love God, love people. Amen?
That's it. That's it. Let's not overcomplicate the mission. For God so loved this world. For God so loves me. For God so loves you. He demands a response. Church, I want you to fill in the blank here, okay? For God so loves me. He is calling me to love For God so loves you, he is calling you to love. For God so loves you, he is calling you to forgive. For God so loves you, he is calling you to reconcile with. For God so loves you, he is calling you to reach out to and extend a helping hand to. Agape love demands a response. Who is it? Who is God calling you to love today? Without love, I'm nothing. Without love, we cannot fulfill the call in our lives. We need God's love. Amen, church. You need it. I need it. We all need it. We can't do it without it. So if you're here and you have a desire in your heart to love God. You have a desire in your heart to love that person you're thinking about. If that's you, and you don't want to be idle, but you want to actually move, I want you to stand. Could we do this? Could we all pray this prayer together? I'll lead you. God, I thank you that you so love me. Thank you for giving me access to your agape love. I renounce all barriers and blockages that I've put up between you and me and between me and others. I renounce all of my sins in Jesus' name. I declare you are love. I receive your limitless supply of love. Fill me with your love. Expand my capacity to receive your love. Now lead me to love others. Fill me with your love so I can be faithful and effective with my life so others may know your love. going to stay here for a little bit. God, fill us with your love.
friends, the degree to which you embrace and live with the truth that God so loves you is the degree to which you'll be able to love others. Receive that. God so loves you. Receive that now. Receive that now. God so loves you. The Lord bless you. The Lord fill you with his agape love. The Lord fill you <laughs> so much that it will bring you to your knees in tears and gratitude. The Lord fill you with his love so that it will move you to love others. For his glory. For his glory. The church says, amen, amen. God bless everyone. Thanks for being here. Have a great week.